Good morning. Better use this. I said good morning. Good to see you guys. Glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. You know me. I'm glad to be anywhere. Hallelujah. I tell you, I'm so full this morning, I just want the Lord to tip me over and pour me out. I just, uh, I told my wife, I said, I hope I don't get too technical. But then I thought about it, I'm not technical anyhow, I can't get that way. Just so that I can, I hope it tantalizes you on one hand and then is revealing on the other hand, but I won't. It's interesting that Ed should say what he said. Probably if we were to title this message, it would be the principle of increase. Or you could say the law of increase. Or you could say the truth of increase. And before you get condemning about me talking about prosperity, I'm not talking about prosperity of money or anything else. I'm talking about increase in the Spirit. Because our subject has to do with inside out. Pastor Kevin asked me if I was willing to preach on this for another month or two. I said, I could preach on it for another year and a half or two. Because I love to talk about this because I am convinced that not much is known about the inward man. I believe that most Christians live out of the outward man. I believe I lived out of the outward man for years in the name of the Spirit. And uh, back in 1990 when I had a personal revival, God led me to do something that helped me to discover the principle of increase. And I went that way for many, many years. And I need to tell you this because I, I want to identify with you with something. About three or four years ago now, probably about four years ago, I began to have physical problems that were almost insurmountable. I had arthritis in my left foot that literally had to be cut out. And so I had to have a, a joint sealed, you know, and put screws in it. And then a little bit after that, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And then a little bit after that, I was diagnosed, actually a good while after that, I was diagnosed with sleep apnea because I wasn't getting any sleep. I felt like I was having heart attacks all the time because you don't, I don't know if you know this, but if you don't sleep, it's bad for your heart. Your heart can have no rest. And so for the last three or four years, I've been going through hell physically. Now, you've got to know this, that when you go through something physically, it affects you spiritually, emotionally, and every way. It may even affect you financially. It may f affect you maritally, relationally. It affects you. And, uh, and thank the Lord... Pastor Kevin and Tracy came along and ran into my wife at Costco. Costco's a great place to meet. I think I see more people at Costco than I do in church, almost, you know, <laughs> run into people. But anyhow, and so that meeting, that chance, providential, sovereign meeting brought us together here eight months ago, and I've been in recovery ever since. And uh, the Lord is recovering me. I told my wife today, I felt strong. I did some yard work yesterday. I was burning trash and all that. And, uh, and just, just enjoying being outside. And I feel like my stamina is increasing. But here's what I want to testify. That during these last three or four years, I never ceased in operation of the principle of increase. I wanted to quit, I wanted to skip, I wanted to give up in many respects, but I knew that my life depended on me knowing the principle of increase. How many know that God 
is never late. God can never lie. God is always on time. He will not be mocked. If you do what He says, He'll do what He'll He'll do for you. What He said He'll do for you. <coughs> and so I want you to know that today, <coughs> that this, to a certain extent, is not a spiritual message that I want you to be embracing, but I want you to embrace the reality that God is for you and not against you. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what your relationships are like. I also thought about them. Maybe I need to tell you this because I will not name names to protect the innocent. Most relational problems are imagined anyhow. Do you know that? But you know, even if they're imagined, to the one that's imagining them, they're real. And I had a relationship a few years ago, <coughs> right when I was going through my pain and my arthritis in my foot. And that relationship sort of ended without ending. You ever had a relationship end without ending? At one time you're seeing them a lot, and then all of a sudden you're not seeing them at all? And, and so, and I'm just telling you from my heart, I had this surgery, and that person didn't even give me a call. That didn't come out to see me or anything. I thought, boy. And I thought we had a relationship. So you know what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened. Here's what will happen to you. That can break your heart. If you've had a relationship that really meant a lot to you, it can break your heart. It can leave you with a broken spirit. And I, for a good while, I would, I would go to sleep at night and, and wonder what was going on with me. And one night the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, you're dealing with a broken heart. But I was also dealing with all these other things that were I've just enumerated. But I want you to know that I'm on the mend. I'm on the mend. The Lord is restoring my youth. I'm being renewed. See, the Holy Spirit not only does the work of regeneration, but the Holy Spirit also does the work of renewing, according to Peter in cha chapter three. There, second is it First Peter, Second Peter, not Titus. Excuse me. Regeneration is just means being born again. But listen, when the Lord begins to work in you the the, the principle of increase, you'll feel from time to time like you've been born again, again. Because the principle of increase is in your spirit. Now listen, <coughs> we've been talking by way of just review. Man is spirit, soul, and body. Biblically defined, man has a spirit, and because of the spirit, the breath of the spirit of life, man became by creation a living soul. Are you with me? That's what the Bible says. Some people like to call themselves spirits, but we're not spirits. Angels are spirits, ministers that the Lord uses. We have been called to sonship through a birth process. Being a human being is a tremendous calling because we're going to be promoted to be sons of God. No angel has ever been told you're a son of God. Don't, don't get lost. I'm going to say some things. I hope you just catch them. But I need to repeat that because that's found in Hebrews chapter 1. And he said, what, what angel has he ever said, You're my son, this day I have begotten you. But to you and to me, he has said it. We've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. One day we'll be fully adopted because the day of adoption will come, but now we have the spirit of adoption that is the earnest of the spirit until that day comes. To the redemption, if you will, of the body, according to Romans chapter 8. That's the day of, 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 of adoption, the resurrection. Now, the spirit of man consists of three parts that I embrace as being biblical by way of understanding of the Scriptures. Number one, the spirit of man has a conscience. 
has intuition or he perceives things. I was reading about Jesus yesterday or day before yesterday, and it said that he perceived what was in the heart of men. That is intuition by the spirit, by the, by the human spirit. And there's also communion in the human spirit. Union, communion. We are union. God made us spirit so that we could get union for communion. So that we could get union to live with God in oneness constantly forever. That's our destiny. That's our purpose. That's our eternal intent from God according to Ephesians chapter 3 and according to Romans chapter 8. This is the purpose. When you quote the, the scripture, all things work together for good to those that love God. Don't stop there. It said to those who are called according to his purpose. And then he says what the purpose is. The next verse he says to be conformed to the image of Christ. Amen. So it's very important to understand what's happening in your spirit. And then we remember in the soul, the spirit and the soul make up the inward man. The outward man is the body, which Pastor Kevin has been talking about the senses, is where most Christians live, most people live, is out of the senses, the five senses, even though we might not be able to name them sometimes, or five senses. That was a joke, anyhow. But the, but the soul consists of three parts, which are very clearly in the Bible. The mind and the will, and then we usually say emotions, but I want to clarify what I believe the Bible teaches about emotions. I believe that the soul is the expressor of the mind. The soul is the expressor of the will. The soul is the expressor of the emotions. Here's what we've been learning through our teaching. You receive emotion, emotional impetus or promptings from your flesh or your spirit. From your spirit, you can receive promptings from God. Now, there are some people that are not born again who receive promptings from their spirit by another spirit. That's why we have soothsayers and all this kind of junk going on, because of the spirit condition. Because that spirit condition is an operation, whether it's of God or not. If you don't go the way of God, you may be in real trouble, see? So, the, so it's very important for us to understand that our soul is who we really are. That's really our inward man's expressor. See, a lot of people think that emotions just come from the natural man. But emotions can come from God. This is all review, I understand. This is good, though. Emotions can come. How many of you know God's emotional? If you didn't know He is, He's jealous. That's an emoting thing you don't want to get in the way of. You know what I'm saying? Much less get in the way of a man and his wife. You don't get in the way between God and His creation. He's jealous. He says He's burdened by our sins and He is, He has a tough time with us. His heart gets broken in the, in, the, in the sense of, as we know, broken hearts. Heart's heavy. He gets grieved. He gets quenched. So He's emotional. See, so what I'm saying to you is, out of our spirit, because of our union with the Holy Spirit, we can receive emotions from the Spirit. That's why we Pentecostals need to make certain that we don't let anybody condemn us for being emotional expressive, emotionally expressive. Because emotions can come from the senses, can come from the flesh, or the, if you will, for out of ourselves. And we'll, we, we will emote that, we'll express that. But it can also come from God. And I've, I've illustrated it before, but I've illustrated it again. Some people here haven't heard us talk about this. Got to catch everybody up. I remember on one occasion, I think I told you this experience, and it's one of the most graphic experiences of where I learned about the emoting out of my soul from God. I had on two or three or four different occasions when we were in the middle of an outpouring of the Spirit 
that where God expressed Himself through me when I wasn't even aware of it. Everybody ever had anything just sort of happen and you just, whoa! You ever had that? Anybody? I was sitting in the middle of a conference with hundreds of people. And I was sitting next to my wife and another brother, I forget who was sitting next to me. And the preacher at the conference was talking about a situation about the mercies of God. And if I told you about that story, I'm not going to take time. You would say, my goodness, God's mercies are amazing. And as I listened to him talk about it, he was talking about a man who should not have had mercy that we all knew very well because of the news. And I turned to say to my wife, God's mercies are amazing, aren't they? And I'm not kidding you, folks. I turned in the middle of hundreds of people sitting down so everybody could turn around and look. And I turned to my wife and I said, God's mercy is amazing. I was embarrassed. I said, Somebody said, well, that's the flesh. Let me tell you something. I know the difference between the flesh and the Spirit. And that was the Spirit of God announcing the greatness of the mercies of God. See, that's what I'm talking about, about, about an example. So don't you Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, word of faith, all so forth and so on. Don't you be back down and shut up because of somebody thinking otherwise. I'm telling you today, emotions can come out of your spirit, union with the Holy Spirit. I am wearied, I'm trying to quote that scripture a while ago, I'm wearied with your sins and I'm burdened by your iniquities. You believe God talking like that? Yeah. Now, Here's, here's where, let, let's begin by, by doing this. Turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 2. It's the next chapter. 1, 2. You read, You got it. Let's see. Go get me a Kleenex. Maybe I'm... Getting weepy from the Holy Spirit, having to blow my nose. I don't know. I got to be careful about walking these steps. I can tell you one thing: as I'm reading the Word, a lot of times I have to blow my nose. Anybody else do that? I believe that's deliverance. I don't have a cold. I'm just just snotting, you know. Somebody just punched him and said, who in the world is this man? I didn't come to hear him. <laughs> Don't get up now and leave. It'll be embarrassing to me. <sighs> I mean, we've had outpourings where people would, would judge how much God was moving by the length of the snot that was hanging. <laughs> I'm glad dinner lunchtime is a whole lot longer away. Don't be thinking about any of this. Are you in Luke chapter 2? This is talking about Jesus, y'all. Everybody say Jesus. It's on chapter 1, it's talked about His birth being conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was begotten in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was brought into being as a human being in her womb. Conceived. Once you get a hold of that, conceived and was formed. Took on the form of a man. Came in the likeness of a man. Never had happened before. But it happened. And then it says here in verse 40, are you there? Luke 2, chapter 2. The child grew and became strong in spirit. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. That's not the end of the story. Verse 52. And Jesus increased. Somebody say increase. 
Jesus increased in wisdom. He was already filled with wisdom, and then He got increased with wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He was increased. I submit to you today, from the time of Jesus' conception until He came forth from that womb, He was formed with increase continuously in His experience as a human being. I, I, I really did this in my thinking this week, and I'll just su let, submit this for your consideration. This is not hard and fast doctrine. This is just thinking according to the Scripture. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, he told the Galatians, he said, I travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. You remember that? And that, that enticed me a little bit to think he travailed in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Jesus was conceived to be formed in the womb of the Virgin Mary and to come forth as the Son of God. Mine and your process, I submit to you, began when we were conceived by the Holy Spirit, which we call new birth, because a new life came about at conception. Did it not? Do we believe that? Nobody believes in abortion in here because of that, do you? When do we believe Jesus became flesh? At conception. And He began to be formed. The same is true for you and for me, and we need to consider... This morning, the Lord Jesus as our pattern for what happens in our lives. Listen, the Apostle Paul said, when I came, I didn't come preaching the wisdom of man. He said, I came preaching Christ. And what I'm preaching to you today is Christ. I'm preaching to you Christ. Christ is our head. Christ is our model. Christ is our pattern. Christ is our type that, we, that is our future. Beloved, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Now that's talking about yonder, but I can tell you something about this. By faith, that's talking about now. Because by faith now, I can be changed to be exactly like Him. I've read the Bible enough now to know that I can't get away from that. That's my desire. I want to look into the face of Jesus to behold the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and be changed from glory to glory into the same image by the Spirit of my God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 4. That's what I desire. I want to see Jesus. Brings a whole new meaning to after the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the Faith Hall of Fame. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, being compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race is set before us, laying aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Looking, somebody said out louder, unto Jesus. We do not yet see all things put under man, but we see Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2. So He's the pattern. Now listen. I didn't discover until years ago when I began to learn the principle of increase what my ministry was supposed to be. My ministry is supposed to make certain that Christians not only get saved, but stay saved. And not stay saved because they're afraid of missing heaven, but stay saved because heaven has come to reside in them. That's why this, this message about the inside out, boy, this just thrills my soul. I, I've told you, but I said, Ian, I've spent not only hundreds, but thousands of hours, I believe, meditating this. Because it's ever expanding in my soul and in my spirit what God's doing what God has done and what God will do and what God's going to do.
telling you. If we get a hold of the gospel for what it was supposed to bring to us, we'll quit waiting for the mansions in the sky by and by, and won't it be wonderful there? And start vying for how wonderful it can be here, not determined or dependent upon what you've got or what you're wearing or what you're driving or what you live in, but determined by the deposit of God by the Holy Spirit who has come to be the helper to lead us into all truth and to cause us to become the very type of Jesus Christ that we've been called to be. I remind you again, Romans chapter 5, verse 14. It said that the first Adam there, remember this, Charles? said that the first Adam, Adam, was a type of Christ. And then Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he calls Adam back in Genesis the first Adam. And then he calls Jesus the last Adam, not the second, the last Adam, because God took everything that was in the first Adam, all that junk, and put it in the last Adam and killed it and buried him. And on the third day there arose the second man, because he became the head of the second creation, a new creation. He became the life-giving spirit. Somebody say life-giving spirit. See, he's the same one that the Father used to breathe into us the breath of the spirit of life back in Genesis chapter 1. And that same spirit is intended to be born again so that we can be in union once again with God. So that we can become the expression of the law of law and the principle and the truth of increase. Don't you like how I put that thing in the context of principle, Brother Ed? We're trying to get scientific, you know. I told my wife, I hope I don't get too technical. She, I, and of course, and of course, she probably said, I, "You can't get technical." Don't you? It's tough having your wife in the congregation. You can't lie on her because she'll talk out. All right, baby. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to turn back. Here's where I said something last time I was with you that I want to try to elaborate on today. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 11. I love to read Isaiah because Isaiah reads like an Old Testament, New Testament. All these prophecies of Jesus, I love it. Especially I love to start reading in Isaiah chapter 40 and go through 66. I love to read about Jesus. Before him, no God was formed, nor will there ever be after him. He took upon him in the form of God. He took upon him the form of a bondservant. Isaiah called him the servant's son. Isn't that amazing? God himself submitted to the Father, extended that same testimony into the earth and said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you hear me, you've heard the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. For I did not come to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. I and the Father are one. That's the oneness we want in the church, the city church. Amen? That's the oneness. I would, Father, that they were one as we are one. Listen, see, when we begin to get a hold of this message of increase, we'll understand that we can be one as the Father and, Je and Jesus are one. Because this, in this principle of increase will bring it to pass. Are you in Isaiah 11? I'm trying my best to stay on track. You're in verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Can everybody agree that's Jesus? The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
I want to say again, that started from the conception. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord was already in union with Him who had become flesh. Are we all on the same page there? And then it said that the Spirit of wisdom, let's, let's number these. The Spirit of the Lord is number one. The Spirit of wisdom is number two. And understanding is number three. The Spirit of counsel is number four. The Spirit of might is number five. Or the word for might is also power. The Spirit of knowledge is number six. And the Spirit, and you can say this, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord is number seven. Thus you have the understanding of the seven spirits of God. How important is that to the church? Well, flip over to Revelation. Let's look at that. Revelation chapter 1. It's interesting that it should show up in the book of Revelation. Remember, the book of Revelation is not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And interestingly, the mention of the seven spirits of God are only mentioned in chapter 1, 3, 4, and 5, because pretty much after that, whatever your eschatology, you don't see it anymore because the church is gone. By chapter 6, the church is exited out of here. And that's, now, you know, that's, that's my personal opinion. Don't stone me if you disagree. Because I'm going to love you, ha, 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 ha. So you got to love me back. Are you in Revelation chapter 1? It would be good to read the first verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ because it comes from Him, and it's the revelation of Jesus Christ for it, it describes Him and the work that He's done in the church. Verse 4, Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before His throne. You know, I finally about concluded, and, and, uh, and I'm not going to be real hard and fast, but the number seven is not just a number of, of completion, but the number seven is describing the work of the Holy Spirit in humanity which became perfected, perfected and patterned and presented in Jesus, the man, the man Christ Jesus. There's a man that went to the cross, a perfect man. There's a man that was dead and buried and rose again. There's a man that's ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of God. There's a man, the pattern, the type of the men that will follow the sons of God that will follow will be exactly like Him. Not somewhat, somehow, some way, but exactly like Him. Some people that makes nervous. But folks, I'm telling you, God doesn't make any cheap stuff. We're going to be like Him. Somebody said, well, you saying we're going to become gods? No, I'm not saying that. That's foolish. We can never become gods because we never have been gods. If we had been God, we could remain God, but we never have been God, so we can't be made God. And if He made us God, we wouldn't really be the genuine article anyhow. But what we're excited about is the union of God and man in the perfection in Jesus Christ, which we've been called to. Know your calling. You've been called to that. The Apostle Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, after the great word there he talked about in chapter 3, and he said, Walk worthy of your calling. You've been called to this. And most of the things that make us blush is when we blush because we know that we have not walked in alignment with that calling. That we haven't been honorable in that calling. Somebody say, thank you for the blood. Amen. And then you see over in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, 
And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says, the, says he who has the seven spirits of God. That's the one talked about over, back over there in Isaiah chapter 11. That's Jesus, isn't it? Is that your writing in red? That's Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 5. From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Sounds like an emotional God. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the... Timmy, don't, don't say it louder. Seven spirits of God. Now listen, just in case your mind is wandering, I want you to understand the seven spirits are the same spirit. But they're defined for us in the manner they're defined so that we understand that we must increase in order to obtain that. Just because you've received the Holy Spirit doesn't make it automatic. See, where I'm going with the principle of receiving, the law of receiving, is that it requires something of us. And without us meeting the requirement, we will not receive. Does that sound too tough? Well, God is the God of grace. Well, God is the God of grace, but God is not the God of making somebody look good that ought to look bad. God is not in the business of rewarding foolishness in the name of faith. Aren't you glad that God knows everything? That you're not going to get up tomorrow morning and wonder if God knows about it? <laughs> I love that song we used to sing when I was in Southern Gospel. You know, Jesus, if you're looking below, <laughs> it's worse now than then. <laughs> what was the name of that song? I can't even remember the name of the song now. I'm only human. You know, I believe somebody said one time, and I agree with them, there is more bad doctrine in, in, in Christian music than any other form. It's true. Don't take for your doctrine the gospel songs or the hymns or whatever you're singing. Make certain they line up with the Word of God. Amen? And then in chapter 5, verse 6, I looked and behold in the midst of the throne of the, four, of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now you'll find that also recorded in, in Zechariah chapter 3 if I remember correctly. So he talks about the seven spirits of God there but doesn't call them the seven spirits of God. Now, Here's what ought, what ought to blow our minds if our minds could be blown. <clears throat> Turn back to Proverbs. I know your mind can't be blown, Maria. I know that. Amen? I, I saw she couldn't help it. Her head was doing like this. She's... Proverbs chapter 8. Turn back there. <clears throat> Psalms, Proverbs. Go to the middle of your Bible and start turning to the right. It was years ago that I, found, I discovered this, and, and it really blew me away when I, when I discovered it. It didn't blow my mind. It just blew me away. I had to settle down and look to see what I was looking at. What we're going to read, we're going to begin in verse 11, and what we're going to read are the same seven spirits, or same six spirits, and one is understood, but the other six are mentioned by name, are the same Hebrew words recorded in Isaiah chapter 11. Listen here, it's what it says. Wisdom, you're in verse 11. Wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. And then look, look, what does it say? I, wisdom. If he says, I, wisdom, then that is the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody agree? Can't be anybody else. You'll find out as we read along. Dwell with prudence and find out knowledge. There's two of them mentioned, three by, by, 
understanding that the eye wisdom is the spirit of the Lord. And discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate. There's the fear of the Lord, see. Is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and, and the evil way. And the perverse mouth I hate, counsel. There it is, it's number four. Is mine and sound wisdom is mine. I am understanding. There's five. I have strength. The word strength there is the same word for power. Same Hebrew word. By me kings reign. How many of you know you've been called to be in a kingdom of priests? A priest can reign like a king because he's in a kingdom. He rules under the ministry of Jesus who rules as priest and king. You remember that. David was the foreshadow of that. And rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. And I want you to notice something. He's requiring something. Those who diligently seek me will find me. Hebrews chapter 11, just write this down, verse 6. Let it be one of your verses you memorize. Without faith, somebody say without faith. It is impossible to please God. Somebody say impossible. For you must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Some of you got that memorized already. Good. Quote it every now and then to yourself. Because you'll have a tendency to walk by your sight or your senses and not by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight, not by our senses. Amen? These last four years, thank God that I knew that. I knew that, in, I knew that in my knower, but boy, my body was having a hard time keeping up. Somebody say amen. amen. Then it says, riches and honor are with me. See, if you're looking for riches, you're looking for the wrong thing. If you're looking for honor, you're looking for the wrong thing. Enduring riches and righteousness is what we're looking for. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added. They come along as complimentary little gifts from the Lord. And many times they're not even little, they're very big. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I'm not looking for silver and gold. I know that the Bible says that the silver and gold are His. Well, as long as they're His, I can get them, see. But if I'm, if, but if I'm try, trying to get a hold of them, I probably have a hard time because I've learned where the law of increase is. The law of increase is not seeking stuff, but seeking Him. He told Abraham, let me give you this real quick in case I don't get to it. Gen Genesis chapter 15, you remember what God said to Abraham? You know, I finally read that right this past week, and the Lord, the last week or two, and the Lord got me. You've got to keep reading this stuff. I mean, you just miss stuff. I remember quoting that the Lord said, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. You know that's wrong? You know what that says? I am your shield, comma, exceeding great reward. The word shield really begins with understanding that I am your fear. And then exceeding great reward just goes on to talk about how that, fear, how that fear will get louder and louder as we increase in the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord will correct us when we go astray or get us on the right path when we get off the right, on the right path. The fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. So i got news for us. You don't want to depart from evil out of your natural man. It's got to have a work of the Spirit for have you wanting to depart from evil. See, if you think that you're going to conclude one day, well, I'm just going to depart from evil. You have entered the realm of religion. And I'm going to tell you, I hope you cut you off at the pass. Religion is a terrible taskmaster. Religion will kill you and everybody around you. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, he said, The law killed me. That's why the Bible says the letter kills. Because the law is a killer. I don't care if you agree with me or not, I'm preaching the Bible now. The law is not your friend. 
But quickly let me say the law, the law is holy. The law is good. Amen? But the law was never intended to be what brought us to God. The only one who came into the world who could keep the law was the one intended to bring us to God. I pray for us that the Lord will grant us the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord, that we may be found in Him not having our own righteousness, but the righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that we may know Him. The righteousness which is from God by faith that we may know Him. The righteousness which is from God by faith that we may know Him. The power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable to His death, if by any means we may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to give another commercial for you, especially if you're caught up in this. I want to get you delivered. Get delivered from the dying to self syndrome. Because when you get committed to dying to self-syndrome, you've entered into the realm of religion. Because I'm telling you, you can get no more dead than Jesus was. And the Bible says we bear in our body the dying of Jesus. That the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So your only way you die to self is by His death, by faith. By grace through faith and that not of yourself. Amen? Is that good news to anybody? I'm telling you. I was, I was in Maryland one time reading my Bible like I usually do every day. And the Lord spoke to me. And I read that hundreds of times, literally. And finally the Lord said, see that? I said, Lord, look at that. You see that? These folks trying to die to their self, that's why they can't do it. Me trying to die to myself, that's why I can't do it. I must by faith in the Son of God bear in my body His dying. Because if I bear in His, if I bear my body His dying, I'll bear in my body His burial. I'll bear in my body His being made alive. I'll bear in my body His being raised from the dead. I'll bear in my body His ascension and seated at the right hand of God. I'll bear in my body everything that He's prayed for already. The blood has reconciled me. The blood of Jesus has justified me. And now I'm being saved by His life. That's, that's Romans chapter 5. That's how we get through this stuff and don't get religious. Remember, the letter kills. Turn to your neighbor and say, the letter kills. Yes, sir. What Moses gave to, the, to Israel ultimately was to let them know that they could, they could never get life through this stuff. That the only answer was the blood of the Lamb. The only answer was, the, was a slaughtered lamb and the shedding of that blood. Only way you have access. I tell the Lord on a daily basis, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus, in His righteousness, and by His blood. King James, and you King James says, by a new and living way. But the literal understanding of the word new is fresh. And when you look up that word in the Greek, the word fresh means just as if the sacrifice were just made. So every day we come by the fresh sacrifice of the Son of God. Not that He's being crucified again, but that, that 2,000 year crucifixion is just as fresh today as it was then. Folks, it's by the blood. Coming by the blood, by Therefore, having a high priest over the house of God, we come with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. See, our spirit can be defiled, and we can have an evil conscience. But when the sprinkling of the blood comes by faith, it is purified, and then we have a good conscience. By the way, I'll just say this again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. First Peter chapter 3, verse 16 speaks of a good conscience. Always remember this. There's nothing good in the flesh. Romans 7, 18. For I know that in me that is within my flesh is no good thing. Everybody say no good thing. So there can't be a good conscience there. Because there's no good thing there. Now it's just my opinion. But I'm sticking with it. Because I believe, I believe conscience is something that God comes from God. And it's in the realm of the spirit of man because that's where the, that's where the conscience 
conscience really operates. You can resist it. You can refuse it. It can even be seared. But thank God there's an opportunity to be, to be cleansed. Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, of the spirit, filthiness of the spirit. How? Hebrews 20, uh, chapter 10 just told us, by the sprinkling of the blood on our heart so that we can have our conscience purified and have a good conscience. Aren't you glad to have a good conscience? Amen. All right, I'm just getting started, y'all. You live with me? Now, after my conclusion, I mean, my introduction, let's read on. My fruit is better than you. We've read that. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth. If you're after the wealth, forget it. But if you're after the increase, of the seven spirits of God like Jesus, then you've got things coming your way. That I may fill their treasures. See, and listen, I'm reading this on because here's, here's, here's the epitaph. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way. So I don't want to get technical, but here's what happened. The Word proceeded from God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made. The Father made all things through Him, even the man, even the human being, the Spirit of life, the breath of the Spirit of life, I believe the Bible makes clear, came out of Jesus, and we were made to be a duplicate, to be exactly like Him. But the problem of sin arose. Is that simple enough and to the point? That's it. But now we're talking about what's going to happen to us in this realm of our spirit. Before his works of old, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning before there was ever an earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. That's the Holy Spirit standing alongside. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. Remember that? Somebody shake your head at me. Have I lost you? Whew, I tell you what, I'm getting tired. I'm preaching harder than I've preached in a long time. You don't mind if I take a little break? I'm going to drink some water here. Now listen. What I'm hoping for is that you will see that there is an increase of the Spirit of the Lord in your life to come. There's an increase of the Spirit of wisdom in your life. Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1, remember? Beginning at verse 15. My prayer for you is that you may receive the spirit of wisdom, which, which makes us know and understand that the, having the spirit of wisdom in operation is not, not necessarily happening if there's a prayer to receive. Somebody say amen. That's a good point. You receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is understanding, as well as going on to say that you may understand. You've got to have revelation to, to understand that you may know what is the hope of His calling, the calling of Jesus, which is our calling. That you may, know, you may know what are the riches of the glory, what are His riches of the glory in the saints or it resides. What I'm talking to you this morning about is the riches that's inside of you. And that you may know the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. According to what, Paul? According to His resurrection from the dead. There it is. I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection. I want to know Him. i got to know Him. How will I know Him? By the Spirit, by the seven spirits of God, I will know Him. So I got to understand that I must be about getting the increase. Now here, here listen to this. I'm going to conclude with this because I don't know when I'll pick up it again, but here it is. Galatians 6, 8. Here is the spirit or the principle 
of increase. You know, for years we quoted that negatively and never did quote the positive because I didn't have revelation. You remember what Galatians 6, 8 says? If you sow to the flesh, remember? I bet everybody can tell me what you'll reap. Huh? Well, maybe not, but let me tell you. You're in the class. I know some of you are timid. You'll reap corruption as opposed to incorruption, which you can reap in God even now. You can reap in, because you can be after incorruption now in God, in Jesus Christ. What's the second part of that verse in Galatians 6, 8? But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. I always say this, but now here's the context. You will reap increasingly the life of God. The life of God is not intended just to be a deposit and say, well, I got it. But the life of God is intended to be on the increase. God told Noah in, in Genesis chapter 8, He said, As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will be in the earth. He said some other things, but that's what he said, taking the first two sentences and the last sentence. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. So I say to you by the Word of God, sow to the Spirit. Sow to your Spirit. Somebody said, well, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, when you're born again, who cares? Because you've been unioned. You've been made one. You've been called to intimacy. You've been called to communion by union. You've been called to perception and increase. You've been called to the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I pray for our leaders that the spirit of the fear of the Lord to come on them. I want the spirit of the fear of the Lord increasing in my life. And I believe it has been. I've told many a person, you know, I sat under a free will Baptist preacher, 21-year-old free will Baptist evangelist when I was 9 years old. And the next year he came back when I was 10 years old. And I really believed under his preaching of hellfire and damnation, I received the spirit of the fear of the Lord because I never got away from it. Because I can tell you, I have not been an angel all of my Christian life. I would be ashamed to tell you what all I've done in my Christian life. Don't y'all look at me too pious. I know some of you have got the same testimony. Amen. Matter of fact, I believe everybody in here has got the same testimony because that's the way it works. You see, if you're, not, if you're not having things happen on the outside, you've got things happening on the inside that are just as ugly as the stuff on the outside. That's why the Lord said to the Pharisees, you've got to wash what's on the inside so that the outside will get, get taken care of. Amen? So the principle is sowing to the... What do you sow? Here's what you sow. Remember Matthew chapter 13. Mark chapter 4. Luke chapter 8. Do you remember what those chapters reveal? The parallel gospels. Jesus was recorded as teaching the same thing. It's the parable of the sower. And you remember what he says that the sower sows? He sows the word. You know what he called the word? Seed. You know what Je the Bible calls Jesus the word? You know what that means? He's the seed that God planted in the earth and is reproducing after His kind. We are the seed. We are the sons of the kingdom. We are the seed. So this thing of seed time and harvest is over and over in the Scriptures. But I'm telling you what I found out since 1990, after 23 years of ministry, I found this out. I forget it, it maybe been 25. 25. I decided when I, that I'd start reading the Bible. I know that's really complex for a lot of people to think that there are preachers who don't read the Bible. Could I just guess that probably about 90, 95% don't? I was like most preachers. I went to the Bible to get a message, get a word, you know. And the Lord was faithful to it. It was amazing. I faithful. He wasn't faithful to me. He was faithful to the people. And they got a word from God. But in 1990, I came to such a place that I needed help myself. And I looked in the mirror and said, boy, you, you need a help. 
And I tell you what I'll, what I'll do. I found out you could read through the Bible in 80 hours if you, if you read at pulpit speech. I said, boy, that's easy. Just 80 hours? 80 days, I can be through the whole Bible. I think I'll start doing that. So I did that for the next 70, like what makes, I think it was 14 years. And folks, I tell you, the Lord turned me inside down, uh, inside out and upside down. You know what I discovered, Miss Dot? I discovered that my ministry was found in discovering who I was in that Bible, sowing it to my spirit. God revealed who I was, and there began to come out of me rivers of living water that got on the people because it was real. It wasn't something that I just had to say. It's something that I believed and I wanted to say. I used to get up just to say something, but now I get up because I got something to say. There's a lot of difference in that, isn't there, Dave? And today my desire for you is that you'll hear this, even though I've come to a simple conclusion that the, that the principle of increase is sowing. Here's, here's what I encourage you to do. I encourage you really, to, every day you need to begin every, every day with an hour of devotion. Can I just tell you that? I believe you ought to cut it in half, 30 minutes for the Word and 30 minutes for prayer. If you can't pray 30 minutes, go back to the Word and finish your hour. Why, why do I say that? Because I believe Jesus said, made, it, made it clear. He said, could you not tarry one hour? I said, brother, you put this under the law. No, no, no. I'm giving you something that you must do and got to do in order for the increase to be in your life. We've got too many people calling legalism out there when the Apostle Paul said, I bring my body under subjection lest after I preach to others, I myself should be a, be a castaway or be disqualified. Was he being legalistic? No, he was being realistic with who he was. And he knew that he himself had to continue to seek after the Lord for himself. And that's what I'm saying to you. If you sow that word, I said, I did something sort of funny. I said, well, if it's pulpit speed, I'll read it out loud. And after a little while, I realized that Proverbs was agreeing with me because I was reading the scripture it was coming out of my mouth, off of my tongue, over my lips. I was hearing it on the outward as well as the inward. Now, that's just something that I did. And, but but, it, but it, it transformed me. It really did. And, and somehow, Miss Dodd, I'll confess to you, but these other people aren't listening that good, but they'll confess to you. I was kidding. I've let, I let that slip from being the first fruits in my life. But when we had this fast back in January, see, I'd got to the place where I'd get up, turn the television on, watch whatever, news, get all the good news, you know. And, I, and it became a pattern with me. We had this fast, and I fasted, and, and, and the Lord gave me a determination to once again, first thing in the morning, give me the first fruits. Tarry with me. And you know, since that time, I'm beginning to discover the Lord again. I'm beginning to find him again in the, in, the, in the quiet place. Amen. I'm sowing to my spirit. And I'm finding Jesus afresh there. In the, in the, you, I know you have a great devotion life. I've heard you talk about it. Beverly. Sow the, sow the word to your spirit. Read it. Then meditate it. Then study it. You know what will happen when you, when you read it? You'll, you'll, you'll know what you want to meditate on. And when you start meditating on you know what you're going to find out? You're going to get your exhaustive Strong's Concordance like I do and start looking up words and find out what they really mean. Make more, more clear to you rather than a King James Version or even a New King James Version. And that's how you sow into your spirit. And, and out of that, read, I'm going to tell you this. This is the God's truth. I'm not just being preacher out of your word life will come prayer life. I'm telling you this. I've heard people over the years talk about they have a, not much on the word, but they have a great prayer life. I'm, you know what I'm saying anymore? Hogwash. Don't tease me. Don't try to kid me. No word life. No prayer life. And if you don't have a word life and you continue your prayer life, it'll dry up like a parched desert after a while. And then you have to have a body life. If you have a word life developed by a, 
develop a prayer life by the word life, you will have body life. Because you know what? You get to the place where you want to come to church and tell somebody what you, what you saw, what you found, what you discovered. Or get, some, get somebody to have coffee with them. When Brother Kevin and I get together, say, well, I like to talk about the word. That's what, I don't, I don't try, try, trying to be over spiritual. I just, I've heard something. I said, Brother Kevin, have you, what do you think about this? And we just have a good time. As much as we can between hitting golf shots, you know. I know how to do it. I just can't get it done. Everybody stand up, folks. We're I'm finished talking. Somebody said, you finished talking 15 minutes ago, but be that as it may. But the principle of increase is sowing and reaping. Don't you say, well, I guess I knew that already. But I'm telling you, let's see, here's, one, here's my next closing, and this is it. Remember when James said, without works, your faith is dead? You know what he also said about works? He said, by your works, your faith is perfected. I didn't get into this thing about the, the spirit realm is the realm of the faith and the realm of grace. But the works I was just talking about, those are works. Reading the word, prayer, body life, being with the brethren. Those are works. It takes work to do that. That's why I like to equate it with marriage, because it takes work to stay together in marriage. I love what Billy Graham's wife said. She said, what's the, what's the secret? They asked her, what's the secret of a long marriage? Because they were married forever, you know. And she said, two good forgivers. <laughs> Isn't that true? Two good forgivers. <laughs> Write that down, Dr. True. That's a real important. <laughs> well, this has been good, folks. I've enjoyed it. I hope it made sense to you. And I hope it will continue to make sense to you as you read Isaiah 11 and Proverbs 8. And understand that God wants increase in your life. Come seek Him diligently. And watch out what He does for you. If you wondered what God's had you, had you here for, don't go looking for why God, what God's got for you. Go looking for Him, and you'll find out what God's got for you. Amen, Jamie? There you go. Go looking for Him, and you'll find Him. And when you find Him, you'll find purpose. you find meaning. you find desire, change. you find will change. Everything change. But it won't happen overnight, but it will happen in the process of increase because you're doing the work. Amen. Everybody bow your head and let's let's just pray for a moment.